Name the best corners in the NFL and stop when you get to Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs. <laughs> That's where I was hoping you would go, man. That's right. We're swatting away all the Trayvon Diggs slander a little bit later on in the program. But first and foremost, it's the Cowboys Wire podcast. It's great to have you with us. Right off the jump, you can support our cause by uh, subscribing to the podcast. That's at no cost to you. Just hit that subscribe button, and there we are, popping right up on your phone every week during the season, talking all things Dak, Cooper Rush, Dallas Cowboys. Katie Drummond analysis popping up on your phone every week. I mean, what Cowboys fan wouldn't want that, Katie? I have no idea. Well, I, those are very kind words. And I, <laughs> I am very thankful that anybody would want to listen to me talk about this thing of ours that we have going on with the Dallas Cowboys. The 4-1 and one Dallas Cowboys. Pretty good. Amazing to say after the way the season started. It's pretty good. So, KD, of course, is the managing editor of USA Today's Cowboys Wire. I'm Ryan O'Leary, playing host. Let's just get right into the show here, KD. Uh, the Cowboys are obviously not rushing Dak back, right? And, uh, you know, excuse that terrific pun. Actually, give me credit for that pun, right? The Cowboys aren't rushing Dak back uh, because if there was a game on the schedule, KD, where you would want every available weapon at your disposal, isn't it this week at Philly, Sunday night football, the winner sits first in the division after six games? Like, you want this game anyway. It's Philly week. But especially this one. This, this feels like a really big game. We're, we're getting ready for it. We're gearing up. And the Cowboys feel like, no, we're good. We're good. We're just going to hang out. We're going to wait till Dak's 100%. We're good, guys. Don't worry about it. Uh, so what do you think about that, right? The Cowboys clearly aren't in a rush to get him back, and, and there's a reason for that. Why do you think? What's that reason? Okay, first things first, there is no Philly week. We don't gear up for the opponent. They gear up for us. <laughs> Let's get that out of the right now. My apologies, Cowboys Nation. Go on. Yes. <laughs> Philly has Dallas week. Washington has Dallas week. The Giants have Dallas week. We have... Who is up next on the schedule? <laughs> because everybody gears up for the Cowboys, but the Cowboys don't gear up for anybody. No, but it is a huge, absolutely huge game. Yeah. Uh, I was writing on Cowboys Wire uh, in one of the articles uh, that I think I it's either in my draft or putting or already put up. Uh, but the the Cowboys and Eagles is really the first face off of the 2022 NFL season. I mean, we you know you circle some games when you see the off season schedule and you're like, oh, look at these matchups with great teams, but really you don't know who's a great team yet. But this is the number one team, the, the only undefeated team left, and a team that is 4-1 and one, uh, against all odds playing with a backup quarterback and obviously the second-best record in the league. And this is really the first face-off that we've seen this season now that we kind of know who the movers and shakers are. Uh, so the fact that it's on Sunday Night Football adds to it. But absolutely, if the Cowboys could in any way, shape, or form have Dak Prescott back for this game, he would be under center, which lets you know Yes, bones really do take six weeks to heal. Like we all said when he broke his thumb and they, the, you know, and, and orthopedic surgeons were first saying it's a six to eight week injury. And everybody that's ever seen a broken bone says you're not coming back before six weeks until Mr. Optimist Prime, Jerry Jones said, oh, yeah, it could be a couple of weeks and he'll be right back. And, you know, nobody fell for that. Well, some people fell for that, but most people didn't fall for that when Jerry was spouting that nonsense. Uh, but Dak is back at practice. He is not participating in the official version of practice, but he is throwing the ball post-practice, which is something that Mike McCarthy said in his uh, presser today on Thursday when we're recording this, that Dak uh, did throw post-practice after everything was done. He threw to some of the receivers, and they're going to do that again for him today. Uh, So clearly he's not taking any reps with the ones. So he is not playing against Philadelphia. Get that out of your head. The question is whether or not this post-practice throwing 
leads to him being available for the next game on the schedule, which is going to be, um, I believe, the 23rd against the Detroit Lions. So so not this Sunday, but next Sunday against Detroit is the earliest that he could be back. And there's still a question on whether or not he'll be back for that game. I, I am not convinced yet that he'll be back for that game. Feels like a softer landing, right? I think the Lions are in, in a battle with Seattle for the worst defense in, that we've seen in a long time <laughs> right now. Uh, yeah, so that would be a softer landing. Uh, Dak versus Lions uh, versus this game. Uh, you know, speaking of Jerry Jones, I should say Dr. Jerry, right? Because he was out there. He's talking about uh, right. you know his medical opinion on Dak. And, and he said on his, in his radio spot this week, Katie, let's put it like this. He's got to spin the ball. He's really got to spin it before we're ready to put him back in the lineup. Yeah. So can you translate that for me, Katie? What is he saying there? What is Dr. Jones saying? Yeah, so 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 going from Optimus Prime to realistic yeah, exactly. Cowboys fans. He just changes too. What, what, that, <laughs> what, what that means is that, um, you know, he has to be able to get the, the rotation on the ball, the velocity that comes from being able to um, use the thumb. The thumb, obviously, anybody that's ever thrown a football knows the role that a thumb plays and be able to create that spin, the tight spiral on a football. And so that thumb being broken he loses that mechanism to be able to create that rotation that gives him the zip on his passes, that gives him the accuracy. So he's not out there throwing ducks uh, on occasion. We want to make sure, they want to make sure, I should say, not we, I don't get paid by the team. They want to make sure that when he's out there under center, that he can make every throw possible. And also that if he gets hit on that hand again, that it is not, it's not susceptible to an easier break, to a, to a reoccurrence of the injury. Uh, so I think that's pretty much what he's saying. He wants to be able to see Dak Prescott make all the throws that he's capable of making with the velocity that he's capable of putting on the throws. Uh, that's one of the biggest downsides of what we're seeing with Cooper Rush. Like Cooper Rush, can he can definitely fit it in there. He's a very accurate quarterback, uh, but he does not necessarily have the velocity and the deep ball that Dak Prescott has. Um, he, he's more limited. I mean, there's a reason that he's a backup quarterback that the Cowboys were able to cut all, uh, right before the regular season in order to get him on the practice squad. I mean, he, he was not that attractive to people. He will be this offseason when he's a free agent now that they've seen that, you know, you can game plan around his deficiencies and make a winner out of him. Uh, but, yeah, they want to see Dak Prescott fully healthy. And, you know, the question is, how does he look in these post-practice throwing sessions? And does that lead them to believe that he's ready to return to being under center for a full week of practice? Because I don't think that you can miss six weeks of game action or six, yeah, six weeks of game action and practice and go out there without running with the ones for the entire week of practice. So it would have to be when they return to the field next Wednesday, Dak Prescott is running with the ones. If that doesn't happen, I can't see how they're going to play him against the Lions. So let me get this straight with, uh, with Jerry Jones. So when Dak got injured, when, when Cooper Rush was coming in and it was this big unknown KD, he was like, whoa, 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 we're not putting him on IR, guys. He might be healthy in four weeks. You never know. And now when he sees the defense just absolutely playing lights out and dominating and the Cowboys are winning games like this, he's like, eh, guys, we're going to wait until he can spin it. There's no rush here to bring Dak back. That's, that's interesting with Jerry Jones <laughs> changing his tune because I think this game against the Rams was kind of, this kind of highlights what we've seen now. I'm not trying to like crush Cooper Rush here. I, I know he's made some plays. Uh, but the, the the experience over these last four games, these four wins, I mean, opening drive, Rams ball, third and one, Stafford gets buried by the Cowboys rush, Tank picks up the ball and scores. <laughs> Next drive, Rams have to punt, Doris Armstrong out of a cannon right up the middle, KD, blocked, right? So it's 9 nothing before the offense even comes on the field. That's pretty good. And then the Rams battle back, but Pollard answers with that big touchdown run, and then the, the second half was when the Cowboys just put the hammer down, right? The Rams' second half possessions. Punt. 
missed field goal, punt, Malik Hooker interception, Micah Parsons strip sack, ball game. So this is this yep. is how the Cowboys are winning. Plays on special teams, huge plays. I mean, the defense is absolutely dominating, and the Cowboys not turning the football over, right? I mean, one of my favorite stats is that the Cowboys have two giveaways all year. Two. One was a Dak interception yep. in week yep. one. One was the Dalton Schultz uh, fumble. That's it. Now, I know a couple balls went on the ground in this game, finally, but the Cowboys haven't even been putting balls on the ground, KD, right? So uh, they're just... So I'm not trying to crush Cooper Rush. I mean, the way he's protecting the football has been great, but come on. I feel like the the Dak versus Rush debate that's raging on on the talk shows and maybe from Cowboys fans or whatever in the blogs, it's it's kind of a waste of time to me because it's just disrespecting the defense. The defense is what's carrying you. They're the vehicle that's driving you. Now Rush is doing his part and he's made plays, but the defense is the vehicle. Several points there to, to address. This team could easily be two and three right now as opposed to four and one. Uh, Cooper Rush has thrown several interceptable balls. I mean, he was lights out in one of the games, uh, but other games he's had interceptions dropped. And that's not saying that Dak Prescott hasn't thrown balls that the op- opposition has dropped uh, when they should have been picked. That happens all the time in the NFL. But yeah. there's a lot of luck involved in the fact that the Cowboys aren't turning the ball over right now. And when Dak turns the ball over, you know that Dak is also capable of coming back from 20 points. He did all of the 2020 season uh, before the Cowboy, you know, before he broke his leg. So we know that he has the ability to bring the Cowboys back from a tremendous deficit. The Cowboys are certainly calling plays to avoid being in a tremendous deficit. But every time they've fallen behind over the last several weeks, they've come right back and taken the lead back, which is, you know, a testament to Kellen Moore and the offense. They do know they do have money plays. I, I think that's what it comes down to. The, the offense has money plays that they know will work or money drives. Uh, series of plays, and that's something that we haven't necessarily seen from the Cowboys before, knowing what to do in those type of situations. Uh, but 100%, this is all about the defense. Dan Quinn, what he's done, uh, last year he came in, he took over for, for Mike Nolan, they led the league in, in forced turnovers. This year it's all about the pressure. Uh, if you look at all of the you know pass rush win rates and double team rates and all of the success that you can look for out of edge rushers, Michael Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, and Doran Armstrong are all right there amongst the top in the league. Uh, so, it's, so it's a pretty incredible uh, thing that they're doing with just their front four. They don't blitz. They, they don't, you know, they, they run stunts. They don't blitz. Uh, Doug Farrar of Touchdown Wire had a tremendous article out this morning uh, dissecting, you know, how the, how the Cowboys are running the most stunts in the league. They run 124 stunts. The next closest team's like 81. Uh, so they're, they're playing games with the offensive linemen up front, but they don't need to bring pressure because these guys are just that good uh, from the linebackers or from the, the secondary. Uh, the secondary is now running a bunch of cover two as opposed to how they were running the bunch of cover one last year. Uh, so he's literally changing his defense from one year to, to another uh, to keep offenses on their toes and to keep them guessing. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the personnel is incredible. The scheme is incredible. And the output is incredible. But the big question is, is this a circumstance of who they've been playing? The offenses that they faced so far this year have not been good. Washington isn't a good offense. The Giants aren't a good offense. The Rams are in disarray. Uh, the Bengals can't block anybody. Tampa Bay is average. Like they've played five average to below average teams. I believe like three of the teams they faced are at the bottom of the league when it comes to offensive um, explosive plays. So the question is now that they're going to turn their attention to Philly, who is a big play machine and has, to my estimation, the most difficult thing to defend in the NFL, a quarterback who can outrun a defense, a quarterback who is basically a running back 
But now Jalen Hurts is also able to complete passes and they have a big time weapon in A.J. Brown, who is a bully as a wide receiver. Now the question is, what will this defense look like against this challenge? If they can come out of this game on Sunday night, I don't expect them. They've, they've held every opponent under, uh, you know, under 20 points so far this year. I'm not calling for that. But if they can come out of this game, allowing less than 24 points to this Eagles offense, then I think we can start having those conversations about this might be one of the best defenses in Cowboys history because statistically they're up there to start a season. But again, you have to throw in there who they've been playing before you start throwing all of the anointing oil on this team. But I'm excited about what they can do. Yeah, there's nothing more to an advantage to an offense than a quarterback who could just tuck it use everybody else's blockers, right? Wide receivers, anyone else, tight ends, and just yep. run at you the way Hertz does. Yeah, so so much more to get into. Huge test. 5-0 and Philly. They're playing well, especially on defense. They're playing well at home Sunday night. Can't wait to get more in-depth into that ballgame. We'll do that coming up next. But first, let's set our fantasy lineup. This is the Typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number six. Seattle Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith versus the Arizona Cardinals. We have officially reached Let Geno Cook territory after the journeyman tossed three touchdowns in a Week 5 loss to the New Orleans Saints. Over the past three games, Smith has averaged 304 yards passing, and he has thrown seven touchdowns against just one interception. While the Cardinals have played better since a woeful Week 1, they will present a stiffer challenge than the likes of the Lions or the Saints. Nevertheless, ride the hot hand. Smith has a pretty good matchup overall and is a decent bet for 250-plus yards and at least two touchdowns. Washington Commanders running back Brian Robinson at the Chicago Bears. On one hand, it was a fantastic sight to witness Robinson return from his offseason gunshot wounds to lead the backfield in carries and yardage. On the other hand, those numbers were nine attempts for 22 yards, and he had no role in the receiving game. Chicago has allowed the fifth most rushing yards on the second most carries, and the position has scored four times through five weeks. Since it's unlikely Chicago's offense can put up enough points to force a pass-heavy script, Robinson is shaping up to be a quality play on the ground. Wide receiver Darnell Mooney versus the Washington Commanders. Mooney is a low-volume fantasy option, and he's better utilized in non-PPR settings. This matchup lines perfectly with that profile too as the commanders have done a decent job of limiting catches but have allowed big plays along the way. This is the number one matchup in fantasy points per touch, number two for yards per reception, number five for yardage generated, and number three for the ease of scoring among wideouts. If Mooney cannot make some noise in this one, he's barely worthy of a roster spot going forward. Cleveland Browns tight end David Njoku versus the New England Patriots. After a slow start to 2022, Njoku has emerged as one of the stronger fantasy plays in the last three weeks, particularly in PPR scoring. He has no fewer than five catches for 73 yards in any of those last three games, and this week he faces one of the more favorable opponents for his position. New England has allowed a touchdown per game on average to tight ends, but that's really about where the success has ended for all but Mark Andrews after he posted two scores and 89 yards. The next closest performance is four catches, 22 yards, and a touchdown. But the Patriots will focus extensive attention to both the backfield and Amari Cooper, freeing up Njoku across the middle to move the chain. Don't expect a huge game, but something around 50 yards and a touchdown is certainly well within reach. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 
It's the return of one of my favorite segments, the questions of the week. These are three questions that are going to pull hot takes right out of KD. Not that that's too hard, but here we go. Uh, question number one, it's not even a question, KD, so you're going to have to work with me. Name the best corners in the NFL and stop when you get to Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs. <laughs> that's where I was hoping you would go, man. All right, now let me set you up. Uh, Commander's game two weeks ago. Nine pass breakups, two interceptions, yeah. won the game ender. 56.4 passer rating against. Played maybe the best game of his career. You were saying it on Twitter. You guys were writing about it on Cowboys Wire. In this Rams game, though, the Rams hit a couple big plays, right? That cup play out of the bunch formation. Uh, Diggs was closest to cup when he caught the football. And then that Stafford pass that basically dropped from the heavens into the arms of 2-2 Atwell. Just like that ball was just perfectly thrown. There's nothing. I don't think Diggs or any corner could have done anything with that. But I'm sure because of this Rams game now, the debate rages on, right? Uh, the, or the campaign of you know Cowboys fans trying to bring respect to Trayvon Diggs' name. Because I don't think a lot of people are going to name Trayvon Diggs first, like you just did, Katie, when you're saying right, name the top right, corners. Right. So why? Why is that? Why the constant disrespect? Why can't people just bring themselves to say, oh, yeah, yeah, Trayvon Diggs is one of the best corners in football. Why is it such a debate? Because he plays for the Cowboys. Okay. I mean, we, we, we've been enough. through this before. We, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it really is that simple. I mean, we can argue. I said Trayvon Diggs. He, he might not be the best corner. I don't believe he's really the best corner. I think he's in the group of the best corners in the NFL. You have Jalen Ramsey. You have Darius Slay. Uh, you have a couple of the young pups, Sertain, uh, Junior, J.C. Horn, playing incredible football right now. There is a group of cornerbacks that you could say at any given moment are the best corners in the league. Trevon Diggs is one of them. Um, did not have the best game on Sunday uh, against the Rams. He was, uh, you mentioned the Atwell play where, uh, I mean, that might have been Stafford's best throw of the year. Unbelievable. Honestly. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it was just, it was a teardrop. It, it landed exactly where it needed to do. There was really nothing that Diggs could have done. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. The the big play that people are going to point on, uh, point to is when uh, Cooper Cup took the uh, crossing route and then was able to go like 75 yards. So this, to me, leads to the debate of responsibility. And you talk about the fact, yes, Diggs was the one in coverage. So Diggs should be uh, dinged. I, I, I think that's a bad word. I don't want to say penalized, but he, he should be held accountable for the fact that he allowed up to get that reception. It was a great pass. He reached out with one arm, uh, crossing pattern, running away from the cornerback. Sure, fine. But the fact that it turned into a 75-yard touchdown wasn't on Diggs. Now, on the statistics, when you look at, okay, well, he was a primary man in coverage and the receiver scored, so that's a touchdown given up by Diggs. But the safeties played that whole situation horribly. And if they were in proper position, that's a 15-yard gain as opposed to a 75-yard gain. But on the stats, it goes against Trevon Diggs, all 75 yards goes against Trevon Diggs. And that's when you start to see some of these inflated ideas about how many yards a cornerback gives up. Now, granted, every cornerback in the league has a situation like that where they're dinged for what their safety did. But I think this goes into just the fact that you need to dive a little bit deeper than what the volume stats say when it comes to what a quarterback throws, what a receiver uh, receives, what a cornerback gives up, and know that there's always going to be nuance beyond just the, the, the statistics in how well a guy is playing. Uh, you mentioned that he was absolutely locked down the week before. And I think when you see him in his bag the way he was, uh, anticipating, knowing everything that was going to happen, keeping that, all the plays in front of him, being able to make that make up the ground when it looks like his re, uh, the receiver has beaten him, his athleticism, his ball skills, his uncanny nature for knowing when to make a play on the ball, 
I think is second to none. Does he have issues that come with the fact that this is still just his fifth year in his life of playing cornerback, where most cornerbacks have been playing that position at least through uh, their, you know, their high school career and their early years of college? Remember, Diggs didn't start playing cornerback until his third year at Alabama. So it, it's not like he's been doing this all his life. He was, he's a legit late convert from being a wide receiver, which is A, why you see such great ball skills, but B, why you see some of these lapses and why you see him, you know, uh, gambling more often than other cornerbacks do. Uh, I think he relies on those wide receiver instincts to say that he is, the ball is his when it's up in the air. And sometimes that can burn you, but for my money, a guy that had 16 interceptions in his last 26 games, I will take that over any other cornerback any day of the week. Yeah, and I was just locked on to everything you were saying along with everybody else, Katie, but I'm worried about question number two now because it might be the same answer. So let's let's find out. Okay, question number two. I pulled up the, the coach of the year favorites on Tipico. This is just based on something I've been hearing. Dr. Jerry Jones, he's been on a, a crusade about something else, which I'll get to here in a minute. Uh, but the coach of the year favorites, based on the best odds on the Tipico Sportsbook, entering week, uh, week six now, Nick Sirianni, Brian Dayball, Mike McDaniel, Doug Peterson, Kevin O'Connell, Brandon Staley, Sean McDermott, Mike McCarthy at plus 2,000. So we've talked a ton about Cooper Rush. We've given a ton of credit to the defense. Jerry Jones, as I mentioned, KD, he's he's been on a crusade in recent week to remind everyone that his head coach deserves some credit. Uh, KD, is there a world where that many uh, coaches should be ahead of Mike McCarthy on the coach of the year ballot on on first from Sportsbook? And it's not just Tipico. This is across the board. Uh, is yeah, is there a world where is there a world where this this should be happening? Right. Where is the respect for Mike McCarthy? Is it just because, as you said about Trayvon Diggs, he coaches the Cowboys? Don't give me the same answer. Is that <laughs> is that the answer? No, I think that there's some Mike McCarthy hangover from how everything happened with the divorce in Green Bay. Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, Green. You know, once he was gone, uh, Green Bay started winning 13 games in a year, uh, consecutive years. They're number one seed multiple times. Uh, they haven't done anything in the playoffs, but they have been atop the mountain when it comes to the NFC. So I think that his reputation took a hit with how Green Bay functioned once he was gone. Uh, but from my estimation, he has done an incredible job. Mike McCarthy is a walk-around coach. And, you know, that doesn't get a lot of respect uh, around the league because people can't really grasp what it is that the, that the walk-around coach is providing for his team. He doesn't call plays on offense. He doesn't call plays on defense. He's an offensive guy, so he definitely isn't getting any credit for what the Dallas defense is doing. But the resiliency that is being shown by these Cowboys in the face of adversity, they lost Dak Prescott in week one. They lost Teron Smith, uh, who, okay, yeah, they're used, to, they're used to losing Smith because he's injured every year for the last five years. But they lost him for a significant amount of time before the year started. They took this rookie, uh, everything that they said about what the offensive line, the makeup of the team, how they were handcuffing them, uh, with letting Lyle Collins go with the right receiver core and letting Amari Cooper go. Um, you know, all of these things, Mike McCarthy has rallied the troops to believe in themselves. And I think that because you can't quantify that with a stat, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves for getting these guys prepared to play week in and week out. Mike McCarthy is now 8-1 and one in his last nine games without his starting quarterback. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. Like, nobody, crazy. nobody, has ever accomplished anything like that as a head coach. And you have to give him credit. It goes all the way back. You know, uh, Cooper Rush won the game last year, but also the tail end of the 2020 season after Dak Prescott was gone in week five, 
the Cowboys went on a winning streak, and all Cowboys fans were like, "Why are you winning? Get the best draft pick!" and blah blah blah. All of those things that went into it. They, you know, they ended up with Michael Parsons. So good job, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the idea that they were still fighting until the end with Andy Dalton as their quarterback was significant because he was teaching his team how much he believed in them, how much talent that they had to be uh, to have conviction in the way that they played these opponents, even when the games didn't matter. And now that's turning into Dak Prescott goes down in week one. We don't care. We're good enough to win. I don't care who's under center. Even this guy, Cooper Rush, who throws for 106 yards and we win by double digits. So Mike McCarthy, to me, gets a lot of credit for that. But that's not to slight any of the other head coaches who are doing a great job. What Philly is doing, the transformation of Jalen Hurts, Sirianni absolutely deserves credit Definitely. for that. And I know I'm going to upset the Cowboys fan. <laughs> but he absolutely deserves credit uh, and to be in that conversation with Mike McCarthy as a 5-0 and coach. But some of these other guys that are ahead of him, I would probably say that that's a little bit of a reach. And there's some reflux, uh, you know, some, some circling back around to the idea that McCarthy being a walk-around coach and not being uh, directly responsible for how the offense or defense plays is probably going to cost him those votes. But if the Cowboys, once that comes back, keep running and end up with, which before would have been just unbelievable to say, the Cowboys are in line to have a number one seed. Like if they can pull off this upset on Sunday and we can talk about the line in a second, it will be a major upset. But if they can pull that off, and then sow doubt into who the Eagles are and then say, we're getting back a top 10 quarterback in the league in addition to what this defense is doing, then I, I think you'll start to see McCarthy climb the ladder. But for me, he's already up there. Yeah, I think I don't th- think there's another coach who's developed and won with backup quarterbacks better than McCarthy. I think maybe Bill Belichick is in the situation, you know, in that conversation because the Patriots never right, seem to suck of, yeah, 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 exactly. when the backup comes in. But I think Mike McCarthy might be number one. You got to give him his flowers for that. Yeah. 100%. And that was why we asked the question. Okay, number three, KD. Uh, let's ask a Philly question. Because, yeah, Nick Sir- Sirianni, he deserves a ton of credit because the Eagles are way, they look way better than they did last year. They've made a jump out of nowhere. I don't think anyone's predicting it. They're 5-0. and And Jalen Hurts is playing better. You mentioned that, right? It's not only his running, because that's, mm-hmm. that's what he's been doing for years. He's now completing passes. And he's hitting those, you know, those tougher, shorter ones, you know, those timing throws to Devontae Smith. It's not just the bombs to A.J. Brown, right? He's making all the throws now. Right. Is Jalen Hurts on the way? I'm, I'm not saying now, but is he on the way to being an MVP caliber, super winning type of Super Bowl winning type of quarterback, Katie? Is he on that trajectory? Could he become that guy? I think that there was always a bit of black running quarterback and how people evaluated Hurts and his ceiling. But even though I felt that way, I never expected them to look this good in the passing game with him this quickly. Um, I don't know if you can say that he'll eventually be in an MVP conversation. Cause I mean, through five games, he's thrown four touchdowns and yes, of course you have to consider his, his rushing stats and the fact that every time they get in the red zone, he seems to run it in rather than throw it in whatever works. Um, you're basically asking if he's capable of having a Lamar Jackson type of season. Yeah. And I don't know if, I'm not going to rule it out, but I don't know if I see it just yet. And I will always hark on the fact that Carson Wentz was a MVP candidate back in their, their Super Bowl season, right? Um, he got yes, injured late yes. in the year, but he looked like he was going to be the MVP. And now look at Carson Wentz. So I always 
you know, would add that grain of salt when we're evaluating the guy and saying, hey, it's just been five games that we're seeing Jalen Hurts look like he's capable of leading the team to the promised land. That can change in the blink of an eye. When teams start to figure out what you're doing, what your scheme is, uh, that, that can change. We've seen Lamar Jackson be able to counter what opposing defenses have done to him and still maintain uh, the quality of play with his, his running game and also still ascend as a passer. The question is whether or not Hurst can do that. I think there, I, I don't see any reason why he couldn't, but he still has to do it before I put him in that category. Yeah, it just it, the passing looks better, but it still has a way to a ways to go. Yeah, that the four touchdown passes right. is an interesting stat, and you're you're so right. It's because they get around the goal line and they don't they don't even it's not even a secret anymore, KD. It's we're gonna try to right. round it in with Jalen Hurts. We're gonna line up guys in the eye formation just to push him in the back, and we're just gonna plow forward. Yep. And that's what they do every yep. time, and it's somehow working. And it's great for my fantasy team. I'm telling you that I'm getting all these rushing touchdowns <laughs> for my quarterback. Uh, so wait, right. wait, 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 wait. You mean you mean that Bailey Zappi isn't your French, isn't oh. your fantasy quarterback? Oh no, that's the wrong rookie. I don't have Zappi fever. I have Jack Jones fever oh, for okay. the Patriots. I have Jack Jones. Oh. I love that guy. The corner, <laughs> fourth round corner, and I would buy his jersey, KD, if it wouldn't be so annoying. Yeah, well, yeah, he had that. And if it wouldn't be so annoying to explain which Jones it is, right? Because the Patriots have Mac right, Jones, right, right. Marcus Jones, Jonathan Jones, and Jack Jones. So no one would know what Jones it is. It's like, oh, yeah, is that a Mac jersey? No, no. Mac doesn't wear 13. It's Jack Jones. So, yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on to Cowboys, Eagles. We're going to look at the line. We're going to get Katie's betting units. All right, Katie, a game after the Cowboys scoffed. And they did. Mike McCarthy scoffed at a five and a half point uh, line where the Cowboys were underdogs heading to L.A. to play the Rams. And then they won that game outright by multiple scores. So good job, Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys. Uh, now this week, the sports books haven't learned, KD. The Cowboys are six and a half point dogs without Dak heading to Philly on Sunday night football. What's your leadoff thought? Like, like, give me your leadoff take on that line. Six and a half point dogs heading to Philly. We're nobody's underdogs. <laughs> You're spitting that, that Mike McCarthy, McCarthy said. Yeah, when yeah, he was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm rolling with that. We're nobody's underdogs. They they don't believe that they're anybody's underdogs. And honestly, oh man, how exciting is this game? Like this defense against that rushing attack. This is everything that you dream of to see if the Cowboys can do what they've done against all these other offenses to a team that is this much off of the beaten path when it comes to how they're going to attack you. Uh, does this defense travel? We, you know, they, they went to New York and they won. They went to the Rams and won. They're 2-0 and on the road. Will they travel to Philly and be able to do this against that team? I personally believe that they can. And maybe it's the homer in me. Um, you know, I, I do every once in a while take a bit of the, the, the Kool-Aid, the, the blue-tinted <laughs> glasses, however you want to call it. Sure. But I think that this defense is going to be capable of proving they're that good and they're going to be able to stop this team. Um, and that's because of Dan Quinn. I believe that, you know, in, in uh, previous seasons, I don't know if I would have had the confidence in the defense coordinator to do this, but with Dan Quinn, I do. I think that he is absolutely prepared for what the Eagles are going to bring. Uh, and from that perspective, I would put down two units on the Cowboys to cover. I don't think they're losing by a touchdown. Um, if they lose, it'll be close. Um, I, I definitely don't see them getting blown out. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I feel very comfortable putting a couple of units on the Cowboys to cover that six and a half. Um, 
The question is, what can Cooper Rush on the offense do? So that turns it around from being a Dan Quinn question to a Kellen Moore question. We've seen what happens when the Cowboys have given up the lead, that they turn right back around and they call those magic plays that get them right back in the end zone. Does he have three of those drives in his bag to be able to pull out if the Eagles can score all this Cowboys defense? Or is it a situation where they're going to need a defensive score in order to keep it close? Um, it's just a fascinating game with all of these stakes on the line for the early lead in the NFC East. But yeah, if, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would put a couple units on the Cowboys to cover that six and a half. Yeah, like it, it does seem like too many points. You know, with as good as the Eagles have played, they've had some close games too. It's not like they're just you know exactly. blowing everybody yep. out. That's a lot of points to give the Cowboys, and they're playing good football. They've won four straight. Yeah, it, it is so fascinating. I mean, if the game was in Dallas, I probably wouldn't say this, but since it's in Philly, this might be we might need meet we might need uh, Quinn's best game plan, right, Katie? Because the Cowboys, yeah. Yeah. while they were good against the Rams against the run, uh, the Rams just there there's something wrong with that offense. I mean. We had technical. Yeah, they're broken. So they're just, absolutely broken. Just a quick note: we had technical difficulties last week. We tried. We spent more time trying to record a podcast, even though we didn't get it out. We tried <laughs> more, harder trying to record one than we've ever spent actually recording one, Katie. So our apologies for not getting that out. But it, had we gotten that one done, and we didn't have these technical issues, we would have said that. Oh, hammer this five and a half line against the Rams. We both loved yep. loved the Cowboys. Yep. And I just feel like it's another disrespectful line, but. The Rams, there's something wrong with that team. That's kind of why we had that take. I mean, they just don't feel right. Uh, and the Cowboys shut them down, especially their run game. But the Cowboys have not been shutting down everybody's run game now, right? They haven't been the best no, run defense no, in football. All. And Philly's been ahead of the curve. Like, we're seeing a lot of power rushing across the league as defenses yep. get smaller and faster, right? We're seeing these teams. Philly's been ahead of the curve, man. They've been doing. They've been run, running up 200 yards rushing with Hurts in their backs for a, for a few years now, right? Um, and now they're just yep. now they're adding the passing element and they're really dangerous. So, yeah, Quinn against this rushing attack when that's probably not the Cowboys bread and butter. They'd rather you drop back and go get you. Um, so I feel like maybe it's got to be Quinn's best game plan. Right. I mean, that's going to be fascinating. That chess match Cowboys rushing defense against this excellent, excellent Philly attack with Hertz in that. Let, in me, let me say this. Let, let, let me say this. I think if the Cowboys. If the Cowboys commit to stopping the run, I think they can. The question is, what does the secondary look like beyond Diggs? I mean, we know Diggs can, can give us some big plays, but we know that he can also make the big play. And I have no doubt that he can make the big play against Trevon Diggs. The thing that concerns me is if they sell out to stop the run, what does that do for Anthony Brown in coverage against Javante Smith or whoever's on his side? Because we know Trevon Diggs normally doesn't travel. And that play where he was burned by Cooper Rush, he was in the slot. He shouldn't be in the slot. Yep. He plays one side and one side only. Keep him on that side and you're good to go. Uh, but, yeah, so so my question is really what does the the secondary look like if the Cowboys commit to having guys in the box to try to stop the run? Because I think any team can stop the run if that's what you care about. The Cowboys don't care about stopping the run. That's why they've been bad against the run. But against a team that their entire offensive identity is the run, and when you have to spy the quarterback, and they've done that in the past with C.J. Goodwin spying Jalen Hurts, that's, that's who spied him in the previous game. Um, but, you know, they'll, they'll probably have, like, Donovan Wilson doing that job in this game. I, I just, again, I, I, I'm so excited to see how this all plays out. But that's really my question. If the Cowboys sell out to stop the run, does the rest of the secondary besides Diggs hold up well in order to mute what is still, to me, a a uh, blossoming 
passing game, but not a proven passing game for the Eagles. This is football Christmas, right? We were talking about Nick Sirianni being like on top of the coach of the year odds all over the place. And then and I asked you your keys to the game. You mentioned Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn. This is a chess match. This is chess, man. This is if you if you like yeah. football beyond fantasy and you like the scheme and the X's and O's piece of it, man, this is going to be this is good eating, right? This is stuff where, you know, yeah. pre you know, pre game on Cowboys wire post game. You guys will be breaking down all kinds of stuff. Uh, <laughs> so we got two betting units on the Cowboys. I like it. I think six and a half is too many points. I'm not. I mean, Philly should be f- favored for sure with Cooper Rush starting again, but yeah. six and a half is yeah. too much. Yeah. So we got, we got two betting units on the uh, on the Cowboys on this one. What should folks be looking for on Cowboys Wire between now and kickoff, Katie? Uh, we're going to have uh, our updated week six cornerback rankings across the league, so look out for that. Uh, we're going to break out our player power rankings to see if anybody has wrestled away the number one spot from uh, Michael Parsons. No. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert, no. <laughs> um, but we will, we will go through ranking the entire roster, and of course we're going to have our key to the game and things to know about the Eagles and, and really go through the prep. Uh, just it's like I said, I, I said it many times on this podcast. It's just a fascinating matchup uh, because of all the variations that you could see. I have a sneaky suspicion that Kellen Moore has been holding things back, and you know he's been he he's been dinged for being you know too creative and too crazy uh, in the past when you know simple might have done the job, and he's been very simple in the way that they've approached offense with with Cooper Rush under center. But I think they're going to need to score in this game. Uh, so I'm very interested to see what he's going to bring out the bag. Cannot wait for Cowboys Eagles on Sunday night football. That's KD Drummond. Check out what he's doing on Cowboys Wire and his staff. It's great stuff for sure. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Once again, hit subscribe for us. Tell people that the podcast exists. We appreciate you. Uh, and we will catch you next week to break it all down. See you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.